1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. And good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise. MoneyWise is brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. We're always happy to be with you. We're always happy to tell you what's new in the world of finance or taxes or inheritances or planning and there's a lot of interesting things in the news just recently that will probably impact almost everybody who's listening to the show today. So if you have any kind of an IRA account, for example, you've probably named a beneficiary. If you're not sure about that, let us help you check it out. Because guess what happens if you don't have a beneficiary named on your IRA account? Well, the first thing that happens is your family will get to go through probate when you die you don't have someone listed as a beneficiary because nobody knows who your legal heirs are. And a simple thing you can do all the time is make sure you have proper beneficiaries named. But it doesn't stop with just naming a primary beneficiary. You should always have backup beneficiaries named on your IRA accounts, your 401ks, your 403bs. We're going to talk about some of that today because there's a fairly recent change in the tax law which impacts really everybody with any kind of a retirement account. Now, I just left a meeting a little while ago, and uh, actually in the past couple of days it was, and it was with somebody who is now self-employed but has three older separate 401k accounts from companies where she used to work. And in addition to not knowing what her rates of return were that she was making, on one she was making 0.41%, which is four-tenths of 1% interest. On one, another one, which is a fairly good size account, she had a rate of return of negative 1.18% year-to-date return. Hmm. And how does that happen? I mean, nobody should be earning negative rates of return today with what the investment accounts have been doing. But um, the good news is that she's given us all this information. We're going to help her create a very detailed spreadsheet to lay it all out, her accounts, her husband's accounts. And the bottom line is they're busy making money, saving money, and don't pay any attention to how it's invested. But today we're going to talk about how complicated something as simple as an IRA account can be And we're going to hopefully teach you some things today about IRAs that maybe you haven't known before. And most importantly, we're going to talk to you about how inheriting an IRA, if you're a younger beneficiary, a child, for example, how those rules have just gotten much more complicated just this past week. So the first thing I'd like to do this morning is to say hello to one of my favorite sidekicks and companions on the radio, Poncho, good morning to attorney <laughs> Mike Coleman. Hi, good morning. Good to be here. Thank yeah, you. Mike, it's always good to have you here. Um, one of the things that Mike and I did last week with some other people in the office is we sat in on an hour and a half webinar on the new rules of IRAs. And in the next couple of days, we'll be listening to more webinars on the IRAs because yeah. Don't ever think that an IRA is a simple thing. You put the money in, you decide where you want to invest it, and then you make sure you name your beneficiaries. It's a lot more complicated than that. It is, and I don't give actual advice on how to 
structure an IRA, but what I do do is I always make sure people have named beneficiaries because, mm-hmm. like you said, if you don't have a beneficiary named on that IRA, you're looking at a probate, and that's what we want to avoid. Yep. Let's let's talk about that for just a minute, Mike. And um, Mike, by the way, is a principal at Lance Law, Inc. You can reach him at 508-998-8800. Uh, you can reach me at 508-998-8858. We work on opposite ends of the building. We have separate businesses that we're involved in. But we share a lot of the same concerns to make sure people are protecting themselves and taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to be focused primarily on retirement accounts and primarily on IRAs. This past week, finally, the United States Senate passed something called the SECURE Act. And Congress always has these wonderful, funny names for uh, bills that they pass, especially when it comes to uh, taxes. So I'm going to keep you guessing, but in a couple minutes, I'm going to give you the name for the SECURE Act. I was wondering. All right. Or you can provide it if you I want. I don't know it. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll keep everybody guessing for okay. just a couple minutes. But um, the SECURE Act was actually passed by the House of Representatives in Congress, I'm guessing maybe five or six months ago. It's been held up in the Senate. Um, mm-hmm. And by the way, it passed with a very significant majority in the House of Representatives. It was almost mm-hmm. unanimous. One of the very few things that the Congress could agree upon on a bipartisan basis. Mm. And the reason it took a long time to pass through the Senate is because Senator Mitch McConnell held the bill up. Uh And the reason is that he was hoping to attach to the tax bill some language that would provide funding for a border wall along the Mexican border. Mm. So he was what Congress and senators often do. He was playing politics with it. Right, right. So do you know why it finally got passed, Mike? Funding. It was part of funding. a funding bill, wasn't yep. it? Yeah. So what happened is that as of last Friday, um, uh, the 20th, I think, was the date, Congress uh, had to pass a funding bill or the United States government was going to run out of money. And so periodically they have to go in and print more money and move mm. money around and pass <laughs> a new budget funding bill. That would be nice if we could do the same thing. I would like to do that. <laughs> Did you ever think about doing that? (laughs) But anyways, in order to pass the funding bill, or or because the funding bill was coming up and had to get passed or the government would have a shutdown and people would be laid off, you know, literally days before Christmas, uh, nobody in Congress wants that on their record. So the tax bill, the SECURE Act, was tacked on to the budget bill. And that's how laws get made in Congress. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so it did pass the House. It did pass the Senate. Um, it was signed into law. It is now part of our IRA planning hmm. that we need to do. It's going to change a lot of things. We're going to talk about some of that today. And basically, if you have any kind of a retirement account, you ought to plan to get it reviewed. Yeah. If you have an IRA account, you ought to get it reviewed. And that's mostly what I do in my practice and my business is help people making good, solid retirement decisions. Mm-hmm. So um, the um, first thing I want to tell you about is that it's not really going to impact how much you can contribute to an IRA account. It's really more going to impact how you have to take money out and how fast and how quickly 
you must take money out of a retirement account or an IRA account. So let me just start by going back to the story I started to tell a little earlier. Um, I had this uh, lady in my office who has three 401k accounts from places where she no longer has worked Mm -hmm. or doesn't work and hasn't been there for quite a while. She's now self-employed. But she still has money in three 401ks. And I said, well, you ought to consolidate them. You ought to get them into an IRA account. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to all be invested necessarily in the same place. And I made copies of all of her statements and all the other non-IRA accounts. And we gave her back all the originals. Mm -hmm. And we're going to create a spreadsheet to list out all the assets, what their rates of return are. Mm -hmm. Some of them are not very good at the moment. And then we're going to make recommendations. But I said, regardless of where we end up telling you or suggesting that you invest the money, you definitely want to get them out of the 401ks. Because the rules that we're going to talk about today will apply primarily to IRA accounts. Mm -hmm. And there's something different and unique about 401ks and 403bs. They're typically meant to be just for the person who's working at the company or the hospital or the nonprofit or wherever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. And they're not really designed to continue as a plan for children or for younger beneficiaries or next generation beneficiaries Mm -hmm. or even for surviving spouses. Mm -hmm. So what the companies wanna do is if the employee dies, they wanna get the money out of their account as quickly as possible. And that typically means that you're not gonna have an opportunity to stretch it out over time. So that's one of the first big changes that this new SECURE Act uh, has put into place. In the past, if you have uh, a husband or wife and let's say there's children involved, and let's say one spouse dies, let's say the wife dies first, she's got a, a retirement account, normally she might name her spouse, her husband as her beneficiary. Mm-hmm. So the surviving spouse in that situation can do what's called a spousal rollover. There's no tax consequences, but you gotta be sure they're named as a beneficiary, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the surviving spouse gets to move the IRA over into their name, and now it becomes their IRA. Mm -hmm. The more complicating thing is if you have children and or others that you wanna name as a secondary beneficiary. Under old law, which is no longer, well, it's it's law for just a couple more days. But under the old law, you could have a surviving beneficiary, a non-spouse beneficiary, stretch the money out over their life expectancy. Hmm. And the reason that's important, very simply, is because instead of taking the money out as one lump sum and having to pay a, a whole lot of taxes at one time, you could stretch the money out over that beneficiary's life expectancy. Hmm. And therefore, it's not going to be taxed all at the same time. It's called an inherited IRA. Hmm. So the first big change in the new SECURE Act bill is that you can no longer have this sort of secondary tier beneficiaries stretch the money out over their own life expectancy. Now it has to come out within a 10-year period. So going back to the rollover issue on there, if, if a spouse rolls over an IRA into their own IRA... Right. They still have to take distributions, even though it was a former spouse's. Uh, yes, they will be taking distributions. And 
Um, it's the inherited IRA where you have to take distributions immediately. Okay. And based upon that person's life expectancy. So these rules have been complicated enough, but they're going to get more complicated uh, with the passage of the new bill. And um, I want to mention that Mike and I are going to continue to work on learning as much as we can about the new legislation. We want to be your guide to taking distributions and making sure your accounts are set up correctly. So here's rule number one. You need to definitely make sure you have named beneficiaries and you need to be able to produce that piece of paper, if you can, Mm -hmm. that shows who your beneficiaries are. If you're not sure, there's a real simple solution. Contact the IRA custodian, whether it's a bank or an investment company or an insurance company, whoever it happens to be, and say, please get me a change of beneficiary form. Mm -hmm. I want to designate new beneficiaries. And even if it's the same people, now you can fill it out all over again. Maybe you name your spouse first. Maybe you name children second. Or if you don't have children, you'll name other kinds of beneficiaries. And once you get to do that, just keep a copy for your own records. Right. I recently met with someone who wanted to update their IRA beneficiaries, and we helped them do that. Um, And they had just turned 70 recently, and they didn't realize that they had to take distributions from the IRA, but that starts at 70 and a half, correct? Uh, It does, and under the new law, you won't have to take distributions out until you're at least 72. Oh, okay. So you can delay the time period for starting distributions. You know, part of this bill is designed to reflect that people are living longer mm. and people are working longer okay. because most people have not put aside enough money for retirement and therefore Congress has recognized that it isn't realistic for if you've got a 70 or 71 year old person still working, number one, they may want to continue to contribute to an IRA account mm-hmm. and they can under the new bill. Yeah. And number two, Um, maybe they don't want to take out money until they're 72. Right. The other reason for having a shorter time period is if people are allowed to delay the time in which they start taking distribution, it's almost always going to be ordinary income. That means the government doesn't get to tax the money and get tax revenue coming in. Mm -hmm. So there's a tax cost to the government for allowing people to wait a little longer before they have to take minimum distributions. Mm -hmm. On the other side, the government says, well, how do we adjust for that? How do we make up for that? Well, if you take the money out over 10 years as a second tier beneficiary, let's say, um, it means the government's gonna be able to tax the money much more quickly. Mm -hmm. So what do you think the net result's gonna be, Mike? More taxable. More taxable income. Yeah. So the government's going to come out on the winning side of this because they're going to be able to have access to taxing this money more quickly. Right. So just go ahead. A question popped into my mind, and I see it's actually right here. Um, If you turn 70 and a half in 2019, um, can you take advantage of the increase to 72 for distributions? So tell us the answer. No. I was going to say the answer is a big no. (laughs) Right. Only account owners who turn 70 and a half after December 31st, 2019, can start mandatory distributions at 72. Right. So So the magic time period is uh, January 1, 2020. Mm -hmm. That's the date that the new law becomes effective. 
If you turn 70 and a half after that date, then you can take advantage of some of these provisions in the new tax bill. Um, this is a really dry, dull subject, isn't it? Well, a little bit, taxes. <laughs> so I have to give you a quotation from Fred Rogers. There's a new movie out now. Yeah, with Tom uh, Hanks. I yeah, with Tom yeah. Hanks. Um, yeah. I've seen it. It's actually an excellent movie. And Fred Rogers said, play is often talked about as if it were a relief from serious learning. But for children, play is serious learning. Play is really the work of childhood. Hmm. Interesting. He, he actually wrote quite a lot of interesting things. Um, here's one that I, he said that I don't think he meant for politicians, but I kind of like this. Deep and simple are far, far more important than shallow and complicated and fancy. Hmm. I guess a lot of people could benefit from yeah, that kind yeah. of learning, couldn't they? <laughs> That's right. But I liked uh, Fred Rogers. I can't say that I ever watched many of his shows. I watched a few of them when yeah. my kids were younger. Yeah, I used to watch them. Well, you're much younger than me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't do you any harm, did it, Mike? Nope. Well, um, Let's come back to our new tax bill because the new tax bill basically means that your next generation of beneficiaries are going to have to pick up income more quickly than they might have had to do in the past mm -hmm. under the old law, the current law. And if that younger beneficiary is still working, suddenly they're going to have to pick up income, which may put them into a higher tax bracket. Yeah. So there's a lot of planning kinds of things that we could do. On the one hand, it's nice to say, yep, I'm going to be able to take out this IRA money over 10 years if something happens to my parent. That's good. I can use the money. But not if you have to pay a lot more taxes because you're still working. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of uh, planning things that we're going to be looking at and we're going to be talking about. And um, right after the first of the year, I'll be attending a very important tax conference for an entire week. Mm -hmm and learning even um, more that I can convey to people on the radio. And in the meantime, there's some simple things and there's some not so simple things you can do. But what I want to convey is the most important message today is that although the law sounds fairly simple and there's a half a dozen or so key provisions, it's going to impact many, many areas of your life. So let me ask you, for example, Mike, you do uh, trust and wills and estate planning for people. Right. And um, do you periodically review those or do you set up times for people to come in sometimes yeah, to review? Absolutely. We say every three to five years our clients should come in to look at their trusts and other documents. And that's a time where we can look over accounts to make sure they're all properly titled. We always look at um, IRAs and life insurance to make sure they have beneficiaries named on those so that's a, an opportunity to really go over their entire plan, make sure everything is the way it should be. So I want to give you another reason now why it might be necessary that you're probably going to want to see a lot of your clients uh, in the coming year mm -hmm. because just something as simple as changing the SECURE Act um, and changing the IRA laws means that it's now going to be necessary to take a look at what people have done for their state plans as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to impact a lot of different things in their 
trust, for example, if they've done a trust. And uh, it's also going to mean that uh, you might need to make some small changes in certain areas. They're going to need to forecast income. What we do mostly at Arbor and USA Wealth Group is we help people with income plans and things of that nature. And um, the bottom line is it's just going to be necessary to give some serious thought to revisiting your estate plan. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do that, by the way, give Mike a call after the holidays, perhaps at 508-998-8858. And... um, one of the uh, materials that we've just downloaded recently is 146 pages long, just talking about the basics of the stretch out IRAs and how it works, and yeah. we've got charts and graphs. Uh, the bottom line is that the, the rules for stretch out are not only more complicated, but it's also gonna mean that there will be um, more tax paid. Um, you know what's gonna be interesting, Mike, in the year 2025, uh, we're going to go back to the old income tax law that we had, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't realize that. That's the only rates a, are going to go up. Rates yeah. are going to go back up again. Oh, okay. And that's going to have an even bigger impact on uh, how we treat inherited IRAs. Mm. So I want to tell you something uh, from Fred Rogers. Fred Rogers, I thought, was a, a kindly way to uh, uh, soften the impact of some of the tax law. Yeah. <laughs> Fred Rogers once said, all of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Hmm. Nice. Basically parents. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting quotation. But this one is another one from Fred Rogers that I kind of liked. I think this one is for, uh, I probably should stop picking on politicians. So this is not about politicians, ladies and gentlemen. But this is just another quotation from Fred Rogers. I do think that young children can spot a phony a mile away. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think it's true also. Yeah. I just read an interesting point about this new law. Um, after it becomes effective, parents can withdraw up to 5000 from a retirement account without any penalty. Right. So now I guess the way it is, if you're younger than 59 and a half, there's a 10% penalty that you pay if you withdraw from an, an IRA. Right, but that's going to be waived. So that means if you uh, have a child or adopt a child, you can take five thousand from that account with no penalty, yep. which is nice. There are a um, probably five or six major key provisions of the new act, but a lot of little interesting wrinkles and things of that nature. Yeah. What we're going to do is sometime after the first of the year, we're going to do a very comprehensive program mm-hmm. and. We'll have a lot more pass-out information available to give people if they want to have it as well. And um, I have to give you one more quotation uh, just before we take a break in a few minutes uh, from Fred Rogers. Children aren't responsible for wars. No. So think about that (laughs) one. He had a lot of very interesting things to say. I figured I'd get him out of the way for quotations soon because... Rodney Dangerfield comes soon. Oh, boy. We're going to be talking about him. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to throw out a few tax terms, and we're not going to go into detail on this because we can't. Um, it's far more complicated than what I want to talk about today. Uh, I want to talk about something very quickly called IRD, income in respect of a decedent. We're not going to talk about that today. Um, it's basically income that comes from a deceased person. Uh, 
Um, generally, if a spouse survives, they're entitled to have the money tax-free rolled over into their own account. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people don't realize is when that happens, the spouse, if she didn't like the named beneficiaries on the husband's IRA, for example, mm-hmm. she's not free to name her own um, beneficiaries. Mm. Yeah, that could be a problem like in a second marriage type situation. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. They think, well, I've named my wife as my beneficiary on my very large IRA account. She's going to get the money, and then it's going to go to my kids after her. Mm-hmm. And the husband dies, and then the wife gets remarried and leaves mm-hmm. it all to her new husband. Yeah. So there's things that you can do to prevent that from happening, if that's ever a concern in mm-hmm. your family. Yeah. But the old concepts of stretch IRAs are out the window, and the new rules are in some ways simpler to understand, but in other ways a lot more complicated. We're going to take a very short break, and we're going to come back and cover some of these again and tell you how you can get material if you'd like to by just calling the office at 508-998-8858. And we've got a lot of great handout materials already we'd be happy to give to you. So stay tuned, and we will be back in just a brief minute. Welcome back to Money Wise, ladies and gentlemen. Are you feeling secure today? Are you feeling secure this morning now that you know that the government has passed the SECURE Act? So, Mike, we've been telling people we're going to explain what does SECURE Act mean? So SECURE is an acronym, and it stands for Setting Every Community up for retirement enhancement. Setting every community up for retirement enhancement. Yeah, I don't know what that means. But it's not. It means you got to pay the money out faster. Yeah. But it's a fancy-sounding name, isn't it? Yep. So does this make you feel more secure, Mike, when you know that we now have a secure act that has passed? Much. Much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, this is now a law. It goes into effect on January 1st, 2020. Um, Americans right now do not save enough money for retirement. Americans who are between the ages of 35 and 64 have an estimated retirement savings shortfall of $3.8 trillion. That's a heck of a lot of money. So 41% of all households, all households, are expected to run short of money in later life, according to a study that's been done, 41%. So if you don't think you've done enough for retirement planning, retirement savings, there are some last-minute things you can still do, and we certainly encourage you to make an appointment and come in and talk with me or Peter Lance. Give us a call at 508-998-8858, and we'll be happy to review what you have put aside for retirement. If you haven't started Social Security, we'll talk to you about the best time to start that. But in any event, um, The nature of 401k plans in general is to try to recreate old-fashioned pension plans. Very few people have pensions anymore. Mm -hmm. So 401k plans were designed to sort of take that place, and they haven't been around that long. But retirement changes in general are just a lot more complicated than they ever used to be. So one of the interesting things that we've been doing in our office is We do a lot of work with uh, annuity-type insurance products. And the rationale for that is because they're principal-protected, so the principal is guaranteed. You're not subjected to market swings up and down. And you can set up 
annuities that will provide guaranteed income for the rest of your life, which mm-hmm. sort of takes the place of a pension when you think about it. Okay. And there's a lot of things of that nature you can do. <clears throat> but one of the interesting things is that for the first time ever, this new legislation called the SECURE Act is going to allow and encourage 401k plans to use insurance company annuities as an investment vehicle. Hmm. Interesting. If you think about it, most 401k plans in the past have been invested in mutual funds, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, Mm -hmm. and they have market risk. And annuities typically don't have market risk, that is, unless you're in a variable annuity. We don't generally do variable annuities. We do uh, fixed kind of annuities. So the kind of work that we've been encouraging people to do for quite a few years now is going to be something that might be a, a desired type of investment vehicle for retirement plans. So if someone has a current uh, 401k right now, could they put money in that 401k into an annuity, do you think? or Yes and no. Okay. Legally, yes, no, in the sense that what most companies do that offer a 401k plan is they also link up with an investment company. Yeah. And it could be you know Morgan Stanley or it could be Fidelity or whoever it happens to be with. And unless that investment company offers those kinds of products, Mm -hmm. then they won't necessarily have a choice to do that. I think what will happen, though, in in, uh, the year ahead and the years going forward is that there'll be more emphasis on some of these larger investment-type companies offering annuities Mm -hmm. as an investment vehicle inside your own 401K account Mm -hmm. that you can select if you want to. Mm -hmm. So you might be able to say, well, yep, I, I only want 30% of my money in stocks and I want 20% of my money in mutual funds mm-hmm. and I want 10% of my money in bonds, but I'd like the rest of my funds to be in some kind of an annuity which is going to be principal protected so I can't yeah. lose it Yeah, and things of that nature. So one of the things you do have in most 401k accounts today is you've got volatility. Mm-hmm. The account can go up in value and it can also go down in value. It's the same thing with the 401ks with an IRA. You need to name beneficiaries on that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of people think, well, I've been working at this company for 20 years, and I've got a 401k, and it's growing nicely. I wonder when the last time they changed or checked their beneficiaries. Right. So you need to do that, as we started to talk about today. But basically, in order to encourage workers to save more money, one of the things that this new SECURE Act does is it does allow employers that automatically enroll their workers in 401k plans. Um, they can automatically raise the employee's savings rates um, up to as much as 15%. Right now it caps out at 10%. Hmm. So there are a number of specific little details of this nature that are going to encourage both employers and employees, number one, to save more money Mm -hmm. because people just aren't. There's a massive deficit. And as I said, if you have any concerns at all about are you going to be secure, I guess I'll say that word, (laughs) are you concerned about being secure in your own retirement? Have you put aside enough money? Is it going to last? That's the number one thing I see all the time when I meet with people. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if they have $100,000 or $900,000, they're all afraid of running out of money. Right. So one of the things that we like to do is to help people set up a proper income plan. 
and we'll do an analysis and say based upon um, where you are and what you could be doing, uh, if I see people who are within a couple of years of retirement, I might say to them, why don't you increase the retirement rate even for the next four or five years? Mm -hmm. Can you afford to maximize? Can you cut back on something else? Mm -hmm. But people in general are just um, not really well educated about how to handle money. I wonder if this new law is going to cause people to put less money into IRAs if they know that they could potentially invest it somewhere else and then have trust set up for distributions to their kids over lifetimes. I, mean, no, I don't think so, but I think that there's other alternative kinds of things that people can do. So I don't want to get too complicated on the show because it's really yeah. complicated. One of the things that we do in the office is something called a CRT, which stands for Charitable Remainder Trust. Mm -hmm. And with the CRT, it's something where if somebody wants to sell a piece of real estate, um, I know that Tenny is working on one right now where it's a property with no mortgage on it, very low cost, only $5,000, but hmm. it's selling for more than $900,000. Wow. And I helped do a tax calculation. These people would be looking at about a quarter of a million dollars in capital gains tax. Wow. Alternatively, what they're doing instead is they're gonna put it into a charitable remainder trust, a CRT. Hmm. When they sell it, there will not be any income realized or recognized immediately. Mm -hmm. They'll get the money out over a 20-year period coming out of a charitable remainder trust. So what if you named as the beneficiary of your IRA your spouse first and a CRT second? Hmm. No income tax to the CRT. No income tax. The money comes out as a lump sum, but it goes right into the CRT. Huh. I, this is a little complicated, so I don't want to talk about it a lot on the, on the radio. But then... You can have children names as beneficiaries of the CRT? Correct, and the money can be stretched out over a longer period of time. So that's one example. Life in, using life insurance as a vehicle to help balance off some of this is going to be another way to do it. Mm. Um, in the past, we have not gone into a lot of detail in talking about a Roth conversion. So what we're talking about primarily this morning is a traditional IRA account. But we do see a lot of people that have done Roth IRAs. And the most important reason, Mike, that people have done this is because they heard somebody say it was a good thing to do, <laughs> and they don't really understand them. And the difference between the two is that one is pre-tax and one's after-tax? Yeah, well, sort of. Uh, that's part of it, uh, for sure. Traditional IRA uh, money, you might get a tax deduction when you put money into it, oh. into the IRA, and that's a good year-end planning thing to do. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, and a Roth IRA is often done with after-tax money, and that means you don't pay income taxes on it, but you've already paid income tax on the income. Right. So Roth conversions are something we're going to be doing a lot more and seeing a lot more of in 2020. And what that means very simply is you take a traditional IRA, let's say it was $100,000, and you say, you know what? I don't want to have to take out minimum distributions when I'm 72 years old, which is what the new law will provide. So maybe I want to convert this into a Roth. Mm -hmm. And the best way to convert a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA is, number one, remember that when you do this, it's going to trigger $100,000 of ordinary income. 
So often parents or grandparents will do this so they can now make it a Roth IRA, which will be not taxable when the money is taken out by the next generation, hmm. by the beneficiaries. So even this is probably a little complicated to follow, I suspect. The stretch rules still apply to Roth IRAs? Uh, no, because you can take the money out anytime you want, or okay. you don't have to take money out. I see. So we're not really concerned as much about a stretch IRA, but I think what we're going to probably see is, and we should see, is some people who are not going to need to take distributions from their traditional IRA, and maybe they don't want to saddle the next generation with having to take the money out over 10 years, maybe they should be looking at doing a Roth conversion hmm. as another way uh, to do this. So lots and lots of details, and I don't expect everybody who's listening today to understand and follow all this. And um, gosh, this is something that makes me want to think about Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> I have to tell you. So Rodney Dangerfield once said, this morning when I put on my underwear, I could hear the Fruit of the Loom guys laughing at me. <laughs> I think I've probably used that one before. <laughs> but I like Rodney uh, Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield also said, with my wife, I don't get no respect. I made a toast on her birthday to the best woman a man ever had. The waiter joined me in the toast. <laughs> you got to think about that one a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, stretch IRAs, inherited IRAs, Roth IRAs, uh, the message for today really is that the rules are a lot more complicated than what people think. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to be an expert on IRAs and retirement planning, terrific. But if you're good at what you otherwise ordinarily do, then get some help and we can help you you know, sort through some of this stuff. We've got sample case studies. Uh, we've got income um, information on stretch out IRAs. And we've got information about, when you look at IRAs, you need to know something about required beginning dates for taking distributions out of 401ks and IRAs. This is stuff that we're concerned with, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to understand all the rules for these kinds of things. So, quick summary, uh, the SECURE Act, the most important thing is this 10-year rule. All IRAs and all qualified plans, this includes 401ks, have to be distributed within a 10 years of death. The effective date of this, it's a little unclear. I've been telling everybody January 1st, um, the law actually says December 31st, 2019, it begins. Uh, there are some exceptions to this 10-year rule. The most important one we've discussed already, a surviving spouse is not subjected to this 10-year rule. Hmm. So if you're a husband or wife and one of you dies and the IRA goes to the survivor, um, the surviving spouse does not have to take the money out over 10 years. But they do have to take distributions even if they're under 70 and a half or 72 now. Uh, they will have to take distributions, not for the rollover, spousal rollover, until they reach retirement age. Oh, okay. So it's, it's really the inherited IRA where you must begin taking it. Right, okay. There's also exceptions if you have children who are beneficiaries who inherit an IRA, and they're under the age of majority. Hmm. But that only applies to children. It doesn't mm -hmm. apply to grandchildren. Okay. Um, if somebody is disabled or chronically ill, then you may not have to take the money out over the 10-year period. And 
a few other exceptions of that nature. So as I said, we've got charts and graphs and so forth that show all that. The something called a conduit trust. Um, I simply want to mention the name, but we're not going to talk about it today, okay. uh, Mike. And the how you handle taxes is the real difference between how much money you can keep or how much money you have to get rid of mm. very quickly. Right. So if you don't understand the tax rules, you know, sit down with attorney Mike Coleman, sit down with me, and mm-hmm. we'd be happy to help you get there. Um, beyond that, I would like to just say that our goal is not to teach everybody all about income taxes. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. I've probably had, well, I know I've had, I've had 15 law school courses on just the subject of taxes. Wow. I took five in law school and I took 10 to get my master's in tax. Hmm. It's a complicated subject. I happen to enjoy it a lot. The, to add one more minor level of complexity to this, State law determines rules of accounting, what's income and what's not income. Hmm. So CPAs and accountants are going to have a lot to do with how the new law gets interpreted also. Federal law is determined by federal income tax law. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mike, um, did you learn anything new today? I did. Good. Yeah. Don't ask me what, but... <laughs> No, we never stopped learning. And, I think um, lo- everyone's going to have to, it's going to take a long time for people to learn about this because I think the old rules are still going to apply in certain situations. Is that correct? Many of the old rules will still apply. For example, the spousal rollover. So yeah. a surviving spouse doesn't have to worry about this stretch out rule. That's an exception to right, it. Right. And, and if someone died prior to when the new law takes effect, then any distributions from their estate will still be you know, the old rules, mm-hmm. I believe. Rodney Dangerfield once said, I get no respect the way my luck is running. If I was a politician, I would be honest. <laughs> Do you have to think about that one a little bit? A little bit, bit yeah. <laughs> no. Um, taxes, uh, an, an income tax form is sort of like a, a laundry list when you think about it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. No matter how you handle it, you uh, lose your shirt. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, there are some basic foundation concepts about IRAs that absolutely will not change. Um, For the rules that do change, some of it will be helpful. Most of it's not. The end bottom line result is that for the second level of beneficiaries, they're going to have to pay out more in taxes and they're going to have to pay it out more quickly than they did in the future. Mm-hmm. So the timing of income is very important. There's always things you can do at year end to help your tax situation. Even right now and even all the way up until April 15th of 2020. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you want to reduce your income this year, you're employed, you want to make a tax deductible IRA contribution, you can do that this year. Mm-hmm. And it's as much as $7,000 if you're over the age of 50. That reduces your income. If you haven't filed your income tax return in the year 2020, then all the way up until April 15th, you can still make a contribution to your IRA that will go back into 2019. Oh, that's interesting. 
But a very important distinction is that's only for IRAs. Hmm. does not apply to 401ks. Okay. You can make a 401k contribution only until December 31st of this calendar year. Hmm. You can't put 401k money in 2020 and have it count retroactively backwards for 2019. So it would go on your 2020 taxes. It would go on your 2020 tax return, exactly. So these rules are fun. These rules are interesting. I probably shouldn't call them fun, (laughs) but they're out there. And it doesn't take a lot of effort to have somebody review what you're doing and make sure you're acting according to the rules and in the best way uh, possible. And um, we encourage everybody to do that. Um, In the end, you know, Mike, uh, people who squawk about their income tax can be divided into two classes, men and women. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I I have to throw a couple of these little zingers out there. Especially on a topic like this. (laughs) Well, even Einstein once said that the income tax law is the most complicated thing in the world. Yeah. And I'm sure it's gotten more complicated since he said that. It is. Yeah. Did you ever take a look at the tax code and see how thick it is? No. Yeah. Well, there might be a day in the future when we don't have uh, income tax the way it is, but I don't mm-hmm. see that happening. It just gets more complicated every year. And um, you you owe it to yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. You owe it to your families to get the most important up-to-date recommendations you can make. A Roth conversion is not for everybody, and the best way to do a Roth conversion is if you can take the money and put all of it into, from the traditional into the Roth, and then pay the income tax from some separate source. If mm-hmm. you can do those kinds of things, then you'll be much better off. I think it's going to take everyone a while to catch up with what's going on here. Yep, it will. And I have somebody who keeps peeking in the window at me here who's waiting to record but it's a little aggravating (laughs) so you don't have to take a look Um, in any event we're almost finished today Um, anytime you have money in a Roth 100% of everything you can grow in there is always going to be tax exempt you're never going to pay any income taxes on it that law has not changed you don't have to take any minimum distributions ever you don't have to worry about the stretch out period so uh, you can pass it along to the next generation and just lots of good things about it. So you need to understand some of these rules. We're going to put together a very simple thing on uh, concepts that we'll have for everybody after the first of the year. Mm-hmm. And just give us a call. Get on our list, 508-998-8858, and we are more than happy to provide any of this material for you. It's It's free. It doesn't cost anything to do it. Um, there are going to be a couple of situations in which it might be better to have money go directly from a deceased spouse directly to children hmm. and not have it go to the surviving spouse. Yeah. We're not going to have time to talk about that today. Um, but then the stretch, dis- the stretch rules would apply. Yes, the stretch yeah. rules would apply. And as I said, using a charitable remainder trust is also going to be a very excellent way of doing this. We do a lot of uh, CRTs, Charitable Remainder Trust. Generally, we do it when somebody's about to sell something mm-hmm. and they don't want to get stuck paying a lot of capital gains presently. Hmm. And that's a great tool. 
But it's income. Any capital gain is considered income, so it would apply to an IRA? Correct. Yep. Yep. And then life insurance will be a hedge and life insurance will be a strategy. So don't assume that it's as simple as it first seems. Um, so, Mike, um, as we get ready to close today, um, first of all, not everybody can be a tax expert. Mm. I don't even like to call myself a tax expert. Mm -hmm. I like the subject. I study a lot in that area. And uh, even I won't call myself a tax expert. Mm -hmm. If I was teaching the subject every single day, maybe then I would do it or if mm -hmm. I wrote a book on the subject. But right. uh, I enjoy the subject, and um, I think everybody has an obligation to know as much as they can mm -hmm. and to pass it along to their family. Yeah. It sounds like anyone out there with an IRA should definitely – have a meeting with you and sit down to go over things. Not only an IRA, but a 401k okay. also. Mm -hmm. And I want to leave you with a couple of very quick closing quotations from Charles Schultz. Do you know who he was? Peanuts. Peanuts, right. I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> and he also said big sisters are the crabgrass in the life on the lawn of life. Yeah. Big sisters are the crabgrass in the lawn of life. I wouldn't know. No. The last thing I'll give you is a closing quotation as we finish today. C.S. Lewis once said, you're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. Hmm. So, Mike, thank you for being with me as always. Yeah, thank you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, keep on learning and keep on doing something to protect your family. Thank you for listening. <laughs>